Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Can you just look to your neighbor and say, man, you look amazing. If they don't look amazing, can you just prophesy? Don't lie, prophesy. Prophesy. You look good. You look good. And you look, you're going to look greater this morning. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Oh, my goodness. Can you let the worship team know we love them this morning? Uh, this, this Sunday starts a new series entitled uh, Prison Break. Um, specifically speaking, the subtitle, though, for this morning's message is Breaking Out of the Prison of Indecision. How many indecisive people do we have in the house? Will you raise your hands for me? Some, you're like, should I raise my hand or should I not? You're that indecisive this morning. You're that indecisive this morning. So, someone said, I literally thought that. I literally thought that. How many control freaks do we have in the house, though? You like to make every decision. You like to make every Some of you raised your hand loud and proud on that one. I saw that. Loud and proud. Why in the world, Pastor Mark, would you talk on a subject of breaking out of the prison of indecision? Because we're living in a time where people don't know how to make right choices and right decisions. My God, it's hard for people to make a decision on where you want to go to eat after church. Hello. Typical question after church, where do you want to go to eat? And the typical answer, I just heard it, I don't care. Pick anywhere. But then have you ever had that person have that conversation with you and then you pick somewhere? They're like, no, I don't want that. But you said anywhere. The second choice, the third choice, the fourth choice, and it's like, hold on, I am tired of picking. I've picked everywhere. You said pick anywhere. Now you pick somewhere. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I have some bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart right now that I have to deal with in this, in this moment. But the, the thing that strikes me as odd, the thing that hits me so hard, what I recognize so clearly in this moment is that if people have a hard time making the decision in regards to what to eat and the natural, there's probably a good chance that they have a hard time making a decision eating in the spiritual. So many people have hard choices when it comes to making, you know, making the right, you know, trying to make the right relationship, trying to make the right choices and then picking the right job. We stress we have so much anxiety. We deal with so much insecurity because we can't make the right choices in life for our finances and our family. And we are just stressed beyond measure. Our energy is taken. Our focus is taken. It seems like everything in our life is just being drained from our presence. And it's like, how can I break the prison of indecision? Man, a crazy a crazy test was given in 2017 from psychologytoday.com, and they, and, they, and they found these three results, the three main reasons for why people live in the prison of indecision. Do you want to hear them this morning? Number one, the first reason they found in regards to people making, taking forever or not even making choices when it comes to the 
finances, family, and life. Um, the first reason was the price the decision might bring in the area of sacrifices and losses. The price the decision might bring in the area of sacrifices and losses. They don't want to pay the sacrifice. They don't want to experience loss. So in the, in the midst of not experiencing loss, they don't make any decision, and they feel like because if I don't make any decision, I won't lose anything in my life, not realizing that they lose everything by default because they don't make a decision. The second thing they came and found out in, in the area of this test, they are overly concerned about or too dependent on the opinions of others. Have anybody ever experienced that in life, you know? We care so much about what this person thinks and how this person feels that we can care less and we allow them to trample on what we think and on what we feel about our own life. We value them more than we value us. And so we give people the authority to make a choice because here's the thing, if you don't make a choice, someone will make a choice for your own life. So if you're not making decisions and you choose to live in the prison of indecision, somebody is making a choice for you. Your spouse is making a choice for you. Your kids are making a choice for you. Your lack of uh, responsibility and when it comes to your finances are making a choice for you. Someone is making a choice. It, rather, it must rather be you. Come on, somebody. Someone shall make a choice. The final reason, the main reason why people live in the prison of indecision is they have a need to be right no matter what. They have a need to be right no matter what. These are the people that spend their whole entire life making sure that you, under, that, you that they are understood rather than connecting with you and seeing do you understand. And so at the price of a relationship, they will lose a relationship just to be right, to make a point. But every time you try to make your stance right, you always lose in the process. Because you could be right in your decision. You could be right in your choices. You could be right in the answer that you're giving them. But if the person can care less about the answer that you're giving that seems to be right, who wins? We see this in relationships when a man or a woman try their best to prove, I'm right in this position. Listen to me, woman. Listen, I'm the man. I'm the head. God made me the, the head and not the tail. You will obey me. i like to see how long that marriage lasts. Is it more important to be right? Or is it better to live in a long-lasting relationship? One wants to be understood, while the other mindset lives to understand. A.W. Tozer, a great preacher, um, a great author, some believe to be a great theologian, said um, in a book or in an article that he wrote many, many years ago, it was the seven ways for self-discovery. A.W. Tozer said this, and he said this one phrase that literally wrecked me when it comes to breaking out of the prison of indecision. And he said that's the number one way that you can discover who you are and discover the right choices in your life to be able to make the right decisions for you. And when it comes to your faith, 
family or finances, he said this, what do you want most in your life? Someone will repeat after me, what is most wanted? Not just what is wanted, because there's a lot of things we want. What do you want most in life? A.W. Tozer uh, wrote this and wanted to read it to you this morning. Get quiet, he says. We collect our thoughts. Wait for the wild excitement within us to subside. And then listen closely for the faint cry of desire. Then you can ask your heart what it would have over everything else in the world. Now, this next part is just straight up rich. Insist on truth. Reject what you think your culture, church, or family would have you say. When you know what you truly want, you will know what kind of person you are when it comes to your life. Someone shout want. What, do, what is most wanted in your life? Uh, in order to, um, to go deeper into this, to be able to dive in further into what we're talking about, um, in order to describe, in order to understand what you want most, let's, de- let's define what want really means when it comes to life. The definition of want means the desire to possess. Well, that's good. What do you want to possess in life? What do you want to have in your life? What do you desire most when it comes to your faith, your family, when it comes to what do you want most, friend? See, John, even uh, in the book of John, Jesus looks to his disciples with this question in John chapter 1. Verse 38, he asked the disciples, what do you want? What, what, what do you want to possess? Because at the end of the day, Jesus is like, I'm going to hang on a cross. First, I'm going to carry my cross. First, I'm going to make a decision to pass all my feelings and be able to take this course, be able to lead my life in this direction. But it doesn't matter if you don't want me, if you don't desire me, if you don't want to possess me. Because whatever you want, you will possess. And so if you don't want me, you're not going to possess what I have for you in your life, your family, your friends, your future. Because what you want, you desire. And what you desire, you will eventually possess. Teenagers, man, they blow my mind. We went and saw the Avengers Endgame um, Friday of last week. And I was in this group thread with all these young men. And there were a couple teenagers in this thread that said, I don't have enough money. I don't have money. I don't have a way. You know what struck me as odd? When Friday hit the fan at 8.30, we were all there. Guess what? The people that said, we don't have money, I don't have a way, guess what? They had money and found a way. Because when you want something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll make an excuse. Why? Because when you want something so bad, you will desire it to the point where you possess it. Look at the clothes you wear. Look at the things you own. Look at the places you've been to. Why? You went there because you desire to go there. What you desire, you will eventually go to. It will eventually direct you. Oh, man, one of the craziest things I do with my kids. I love talking about my kids because um, I love my family. So majority of my stories that I give in church or about my family because I spend the majority of my time with them. One of the things I do with my boys, though, and my, and my baby girl, after church, 
I always ask him while we're on the road, where do you want to go eat? And what do you think all three of those turds say? All something different. One of them says Chick-fil-A. I just want to slap them like, it's Sunday! Of course I want Chick-fil-A. It's God's chicken. But for some God-forsaken reason, they're closed on Sunday. I'm just kidding. I'll ask him, what do you want to go to eat? One will say Zaxby's. One will say Miyoko's. One will say Bojangles. And they act, and, they, and, and they, say it, they say it with such clarity, with such passion and conviction, as if I'm, this Asian brother, is going to stop at all three places and let them eat what they want. The devil is a lie. You will eat at one place, and you will all pick from that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this house? I ain't letting everybody have their own meal. I ain't letting everybody have. No, you are going to make a decision. And so what happens is, what it, what it, what it used to look like was, my wife would do this. Where do you want to go eat? And they would all start arguing. I want to go to Zaxby's. I want to go to Chick-fil-A. I want to go to Bojangles. But if you know my kids, they got a strong will, y'all. Anybody with a strong will in the house? One of those people, Mark Wagner, really? It's like, I will not be moved. And that's how my kids are. And the next thing you know, my wife is getting angry. This white girl's turning into a red girl. She looks like she's an Indian. And it's like, dude, this girl is about to go postal up in here. World War III is about to hit the floor. Man, everybody duck and cover. And so, you know, me being the wise, close to Jesus kind of person I am, I've adopted this principle when it comes to making a decision, finding out what they want most. I tell them, I'll get in the car, we'll start driving. I say, guys, you got 10 seconds to make a decision, and we're eating at the house, and you're going to eat peanut butter and jelly. You know what they all do? They all get in together. It's like a straight-up, you know, World War III meeting. They're like, they're talking, they're bashing, they're, man, but, but they're communicating. They're experiencing clarity. They're finding out what they want most, and then the restaurant that will have what all three of them would like most and they make a decision. You know what I've determined out of that moment right there? That decisions determine directions. And if you fail to make a decision, then you will end up leading your life into destruction, allowing all the blessings that God has for you down the street to pass you by because you are too worried about culture, church, and your family more than you care about your soul and your purpose when it comes to God's plan for your life. What do you want most, church? What are your deepest desires? A.W. Tozer said, how do you find that out? Man, just stop for a minute. See, 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 most people stop at other people's houses trying to think and trying to gather their opinion. I was talking to a young man recently in regards to relationship advice. He doesn't go to our church. And this, young, and this, and this I say young man, he's like 20s, in his mid to late 20s, asking me questions about this girl that he's dating. And he's like, man, I don't know if she's the one. And after just asking him a lot of questions, I collected that this dude went through 12 to 13 different people in regards to their advice. And then I asked him, what do you think? He had no clue what he wanted from his own life and relationship. Like, like for real? The, the reason why you're clueless, the reason why you are confused, because you haven't stopped to collect, 
your own thoughts, what you want most from your, you know, for and in your own life. And because of that, you don't know who you really are in this life. I mean, when A.W. When Tozer penned this, I was like, dude, that is, this is so profound. But then David, the psalmist, penned this. In Psalm 37, verses 3 through 7, I love the passage translation of this passage. Man, it's just it's straight up powerful. It says, keep trusting the Lord and do what is right in people's eyes. Do what is right in the church's eyes. Do what is right in my family's eyes. Do what is right in whose eyes? Fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will be secure feasting on his faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide you what you desire most. Come on. Is that not good? Verse 5, give God, though, the right to direct your life. He will appear as your righteousness, as sure and strong as the noonday sun. Quiet your heart, though. Dude, it sounds like A.W. Tozer, man. Maybe he got this from God's word. Quiet your heart in his presence. And what? Ask other people's advice. Ask your church's advice. Ask your family's advice. Keep hope alive as long as you long for God to come through for you. And don't think for a moment that the wicked and their prosperity are better off than you. If you want to break out of the prison of indecision, if you really want to encounter who you really are and the purpose that God has for your life, you got to determine, man, what is most wanted in your life. The definition of soul is called nefesh in the Hebrew. One way that we have learned in regards to the meaning of our soul is a spirit being. We are spiritual beings. We possess a soul, but we live in a body. Most people know as a soul in regards to eternal beings, but a soul is also described in the, when it comes to the Hebrew word of nefesh as a deep desire, a strong appetite, a great longing. Like, like this, is, this is crazy right here. God put in you desires. God put in you an appetite. God put in you deep longings for things. It's not wrong to have a desire, church. Some people think that it's wrong to have these appetites. Some people think it's wrong to have these longings and these, and these cravings, these desires. No, God put it in you to desire more, to hunger for more, to long for something deeper and greater in life. But if you have, but if you have the wrong desires, it will lead you into the wrong direction. Because one thing I've realized when it comes to what do you want most, most people rather keep their vindication, their affirmation, their retaliation, and their unforgiveness rather than let that go and desire to possess his presence from fulfillment found in Jesus and, I, and your identity created in him and by him. Most people find their identity in friendships and family. Most people find their purpose in work and promotion. But God's desire, what God wants most from you is for you not to find your desire when it comes to your work, your wife, 
or your husband or your father or your mother or your grandfather. God wants you to possess and desire him most of all. In fact, what do you say? He doesn't want third place and he doesn't want second place. He wants first place in your life. He doesn't want to share first place, but he wants to be supreme. Understand that your want leads your walk. Someone shout, your want, your want leads your walk. Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 17 in the New Living Translation, it says this. So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires. The Spirit gives us wants. The Spirit will give us the ability to possess. In order to do what is opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Check this out. These, how many forces? How many forces? These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, with me preaching this message, what I'm not preaching is that you can go out of this church right now and be able to muster up all this willpower to make the right decisions, to do what you want most. You can't do it in your own willpower. And in, in the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians lets us know this. You can't do this on your own. You can't do what you, what you most want in your life. In fact, Paul says later in Galatians that he says, what I want to do, I find myself not doing. What I don't want to do, I find myself doing. So like Paul, what's the stinking answer here? Like how do I make a decision? How do I make the right choices? He says, but in Christ. In God, I'm able to do what I need to do and what I want to do above what I don't want and what I, what, I, what I least desire in my life. It's in Jesus when the Holy Spirit leads us. Are we able to experience a full, fulfilled life in Christ? When the Spirit of God leads us, when we allow him to own us, when we allow him to hold our hand and guide us, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? The Holy Spirit will lead you to health. He'll lead you to success. He'll lead you to prosperity in Jesus. But apart from Jesus, it will fade away. Apart from Jesus, it will rot and it will fade. But in Jesus, it will last forever. Your family will last forever. Love will last forever. You will have an eternal inheritance that will not rust or fade away, but it will last forever. But what do you want most? Because your want leads your walk. And the decisions you make right now will determine the direction and course of your life. You see, most of us make decisions outside of Holy Spirit. Most of us make this, so many people in the world make the decisions outside of God's word. But the psalmist David said, I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against my God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Maybe the reason you have no direction, maybe the reason why it's, uh, you are unclear about your family, your future, and your, just your entire life is because you don't know his word. 
and you are hiding your life in the words of other people in your life. When you separate from the words of other people and you get the word of God, it will illuminate the path in order for you to experience life. Life is only found in Jesus. Life is not found in some self-help book. Life is not found at some conference. Life is only found in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. You can be good all by yourself, but you and your good intentions will soon stop. It will soon fade away. How many resolutions have you kept your entire life? For the majority of us, 99% of us have not. Because willpower is not enough. You need the spirit of the living God inside of you, guiding you, leading you into all things. Because of one thing, he loves you. Notice there are two desires going in two directions. You have the will, and then you have the spirit. You have, you have the choice of wanting to be right or live a lifelong relationship. You have the choice of being understood, or you can live a life of trying to be a person that's understanding. You can live in a religion or choose, make a decision to live in an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's not enough that we just come to church. But when we come to church, we come with expectation that God is going to change us. In fact, someone right here, um, just say it with me loud and proud. My heart's ready. My mind's open. Make me better, God. You have to have an expectation every Sunday that when you come to church, God is going to talk to me. God is going to transform me. God's going to turn my life around. You have to have this great want. It has to be your most wanted desire. And it can't be just a want. It has to be your most want. You know what? Your most desire, your most longing, your most, it has to be first place in your life. It has to be first place in your mind. It has to be the first thing you choose when you wake up in the morning and you start your life. What do you want most? Most people just want, most people want rest. Most people want laziness. Most people want other stuff. But God says, do you want me the most? Not only will your want direct your walk, but your want leads your work. Now, I'm not just talking about the typical nine to five. Work, I like to define it as everything you put effort towards. Everything you put efforts towards. It's not just nine to five. It's everything that you put work and that you apply value to in life. Hello? Understand everything that you choose in life does not have equal value. What do you mean, Pastor Mark? So many people put their, put their, put their, um, put their want when it comes to work in regards to relationships, when it comes to boyfriend and girlfriends, when it comes to family and friends. Can I tell you something right now? When it comes to these things, these areas of your life, see, you can put... You can want a girlfriend so bad, Brian, but she makes a lousy God. She makes a lousy God. And so if you want your girlfriend more than you want God, he'll give you over to the desires of your own heart. And your girlfriend can lead you, and God won't. See, see like, Mr. Now, like, a job 
Jobs are incredible. How many of you are thankful for your job? Come on. How many of you are thankful for your job, right? Puts bread on the table, lets you go on vacation, right? Right? Helps build the kingdom of God and be able to help the outreach ministries that go, that go through this house. But how many of you know your job makes a lousy God? It makes a lousy God. Jobs will fail you. Jobs will let you down. Jobs will hurt your feelings. They were never meant to be a God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was meant to be the only God. The fa- Here's the thing. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. And beside him, there is no other. And when we give our most wants to other things other than God, then it will lead us. Because whatever you want leads your work. You only work towards what you want. So if you want money, you'll, you'll go after every get-rich-quick scheme in, under the sun. You'll go, out, you'll, you'll go after everything when, 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 it, when they come out with some crazy, easy way of being able to produce finances in your life without being able, without the opportunity, without putting the work or the effort. Day by day, I'm going to go to work. Day by day, I'm going to show up. Day by day, I'm going to give my best because there is power in being consistent. I said there is power in being consistent. I, I, I get away from the life of the highlights. There is power in consistency. There's power when you water a tree every day. There's power when you water the garden every day. There's power when you show up every day. There's power when you read your word every day. There's power when you pray every day. There's power when you get together with other people of the faith every week, every month, every year, every day. There's power. The process always produces the power. But if you're always wanting highlights, you'll never be consistent. And because you're not consistent, you'll always neglect the process, not knowing that you're neglecting the power that God wants to place in your life. Why? Because you don't work at the right things. You work at good things, but you don't work at the main thing that God wants when it comes to your personal life. Say, God wants me to love him above everything. Are you serious? That should show. That should show. Someone say, that should show. I don't care what you say. I care what I see from your life. Parents, I can have parents tell me, my kids, you know what? My kids love me. Oh, do they really? I'll notice how they treat you. I notice how they want to, I notice how they love you by how they want to hang out with you. I notice how they... Do they hug you? Do they kiss you? Do they miss your presence? You, words are trash. Action is everything. I said words are trash. Actions are everything. Say whatever you want. But if you're not producing the right actions, it translates in not putting the right work. And so some of us are putting our work in so many things. Some of us are possessing so many things that aren't giving us any value. Some of us possess unforgiveness. Some of us possess insecurity, anxiety, and fear, and depression. Do you realize how much energy unforgiveness and anger takes from you? That anger that you have towards your mom, towards your dad, towards the church, towards somebody who betrayed you and was supposed to be, do you realize how much of a toll that takes on you mentally, physically, and spiritually? Bro, it's draining. Like, like I've got, I've got, I got developed this phrase. I have, I have an allergic reaction to negativity. 
Like negative people, get thee behind me, Satan. People who want to gossip and slander other leaders, yo, I don't, now, in the, like in the confines of counseling and talk, I, I get it. I get it. But when people are so loose with their words, instead of being so tight in their relationship with Christ, get away from me. Get away from me. Because negativity is toxic. I said negativity is toxic. And some of us are working at things that are causing so much negativity in our life. As long as you keep that unforgiveness, unforgiveness is a back door that you give leeway to the enemy to enter into your life. Because God can't forgive unforgiveness. God can't forgive. That's what Jesus meant in the area of blasphemy. What's the unforgivable sin? Blasphemy. Because these people are unwilling to allow Christ in their life. So God can't forgive an unforgiven heart. Because he's a gentleman. I say God is a gentleman. He wants to be invited in. He's not going to come in like a wrecking ball. No, he wants to be invited in because you desire him more than everything else you have within your life. Do you really desire him? Do you really desire him? Do you really want him? Do you really, how, how do you possess? Are you possessing your Bible in the morning? Are you possessing prayer during the day? Are you possessing a wise counsel that is scripturally founded in God's word when it comes to your life? Because it doesn't matter what you say. It's more important about what you show and what you do with your life. Amen. Is this helping anybody this morning? Not only will your want lead your work, but your want determines your weight. W-A-I-T. You wait on what you want most. Hell no. You wait on what you want most. Man, like This got real when I started dating my dating my wife at the time. She was the first girl growing up in high school, my teenage years, the only girl that wouldn't kiss me when I wanted it. Only girl. We were in Somerville. We're on Main Street in Somerville. We were at Wendy's. The youth group went there. I remember the light. I re she was driving. She was driving a Grand Am GT. We were there. She was sitting on the hood. I had my arms on both sides of her. We were just talking. Now I was saying sweet nothings to her. Boy, I was putting it on, y'all. Putting it on. Released the charm. It was going. Leaned in for a kiss. You know what she did? Denied. I said, what the LL Cool J is happening right here? Like, did she really deny me? Did she really, did she really uh, like, turn her head for me? It was from that moment, I was like, yo, this girl, this girl, this girl, this girl is everything. She ain't no groupie. This girl has values. Man, this, this, this girl has purpose. This girl thinks highly of herself. I want her, and I was willing to wait it out. Why? Because what you really want, it'll determine your weight. You can either have Little Caesars, or you can have a five-course meal. Ask my wife. When she goes to Little Caesars and she don't get it within two minutes, she's knocking on the window. Hey, hey, where's my food? I said, man, she, man, I, I think she has a spirit of ghetto in her, y'all. <laughs> the girl acts a fool. You can, you, can, you can have a microwave meal or you can have something that's slow roasted. Come on, somebody. Anybody loves some slow roasted meals, man? 
or it's tender. You pull the rib, and man, the meat just falls off the bones so good. Come on. Man, somebody received the Holy Spirit just now, y'all. Here's the deal. Your want, it determines your weight. When you really want something, your weight. I really, got, I really know when somebody wants God because I really know when somebody wants his presence. I really know when somebody wants Holy Spirit in their life. They'll wait as ever, however long it takes. They're like Noah. They got so much ambition, desire. I don't care if it takes 100 years for the rain to fall. I'll wait. 100 years. You can't even wait 100 seconds. Like, if, he, if I was to open the Bible, well, and I'm not going to do it because for the sake of time right now. Like, they waited forever. They waited not just seconds, not just minutes, not just days. They waited years, some of them decades, for the answer that they desired most in their life. And they were willing to wait higher or low to possess what they wanted most. What do you want most, church? Do you really want God more than anything in your life? Do you really want to encounter a tangible presence of Holy Spirit? When it, when, not in a church service, but in your home, when you're driving in your car, when you're, when you're jogging in the morning on your normal workout routine. Do you desire him most? What are you pouring into your life? Because what you pour in will pour out. And if you don't like what you're pouring out, start looking at what you're pouring in. Because if you really want God, you will wait on God. Man, this scripture is just flat out fire. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26, verses 8 through 9. Isaiah chapter 26, 8 through 9, it says, In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance, check this out. Your name and remembrance are the desire of my soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. What is your expectation of your wait? Are you willing to wait in the midnight hour? Are you willing to, willing to wait in the middle of hell? Are you willing to wait in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of pain, in the middle of denial? Come on, son. Are you willing to wait? Because if you really want it, you'll wait. If you really desire him, if you really want to possess him, I don't care how long, God. Take your time. Work on me. Build me. I was, I was traveling. Um, um, I forget what the interstate is. Going to Woodruff Road. I, whatever. 385, that's right. Thank you. When I was going, how many, how many of you seen all the construction out there? It's crazy, y'all. I, I think they're going to be doing all that construction until till Jesus comes. It's like there's always construction going down. The interstate, right? I remember a couple months ago, there was a sign that was out there. I was leaving Woodruff Road. If you, if you ever get off Woodruff, make a right. I don't know how many times I went to Spartanburg because I didn't realize. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Dude, right? Right? I don't know how many times I went to Spartanburg. You, I really, I really, God allowed me to really see what was really in me that poured out that day, right? There was a sign out there one day. It was only out there for like a week. It said, 
under construction. Thank you for your patience. It's like the Holy Spirit pimp slapped me, Tim. Mark, you're under construction. But can he say thank you for your patience? Thank you for your patience in me working your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Thank you for your patience as I work in you and your wife or your husband, your spouse. Thank you for your patience. Because you know what patience produces? Faithfulness. It produces faithfulness. The Bible says it's impossible to please God except by it's impossible to please God except by? It's impossible to please God except by? The faith is produced through patience. Oh, that's hard. That's a cuss word in some people's house. Patience? Really? Pastor Mark, are you really going there? Yeah, I'm going there because God wants to go there. Because unless that, ha- unless that happens, God can't go there. And if God can't go there, he can't fix your marriage. And if God can't go there, he can't fix your life. And if God can't go there, he can't fix the deepest longings and desires that you want to possess in your family, your friends, and your future when it comes to your life. Someone shall, someone shall go there, God. Not only will your want determine your weight, but your want leads your worship. Your want, it leads your worship. Understand, we all worship something. We all worship something. Worship is defined in one way as reverence and adoration. Worship is not just Sunday morning where we sing three to four songs. Worship is the things that you give reverence and adoration to. Because what you want, you will worship. What you want will lead you into what you will later down the road worship. I said it earlier, I'll say it again, man. You can worship your girlfriend, but she makes a terrible guy. You can worship that degree from whatever college, but that makes for a terrible guy. You can worship your job, but it makes for a terrible guy. There is only one that can give you fulfillment. Jeremiah 29, 13, as I close, says this. This is so good, man. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What is he saying here? If you really want me, you'll find me. If you really desire me, you will encounter me, Mark. I'm your your ever-present help in time of trouble. When you're weak, I'm strong. When you're experiencing pain, you will find me the most. Some of us are looking at our pain, our trials, and our tribulation, and we're like, where are you, God? not recognizing that God does his best work in pain. Look at the cross. The resurrection power is what we worshiped just two Sundays ago. 
We experience the greatest act of God when he experienced the greatest pain on earth. You know why? Because Jesus wanted you the most. Jesus said for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And because of that joy, it determined his walk. It determined his worship. It determined our life. I wonder today how many people are excited that Jesus wanted us more than life itself. In the midst of my sin, God wants me. In the midst of my failure and betrayal and screw-ups, Jesus desires me. In the midst of all my failures and past history, Jesus wants to possess it all. <laughs> because the Bible says, he'll make everything work towards your good. Not just the good things in your life, but it'll also make the bad things in your life and they'll make it work for your good. To those who are called, chosen, and are live according to his purpose. Those who want him the most, he'll make it work for your good. Those who desire him the most, he will turn it all around. Those who desire him the most, he will possess everything in your life. That's the good news this morning. How many of you have some issues in your life you want God to turn around? Raise your hands. Almost every hand in this house is lifted. You know how God turns it around? Jeremiah says it. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Whatever it is that you are hurting in, whatever it is that you're longing for, whatever you desire, when it comes to the deepest desires of your life, God says, if you will seek me, you'll find me. If you come after me, you will encounter me. If you're just patient long enough, those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. You will mount, you will mount on ings of wiggles. You will run and not be weary. So I want to speak hope. I want to be a hope giver this morning. If you lost hope this morning, there is hope that can be found, but only in Jesus. There is hope that can be found, but only when you put it all to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed. God, I just pray this morning for the person who's struggling in their life. I pray, God, for the person, Lord, who's hurting so bad in their mind and heart right now. I pray for the person who is battling fear, anxiety, depression, insecurity. The person who is living in a prison of indecision. The person, God, who's fighting, God, the choices of faith. The choices when it comes to their family. The choices that will determine their future. And Father God, right now, I want to speak hope. I want to give them hope. How can you give them hope, Pastor Mark? By giving you Jesus. Jesus says, if you just call on me, if you just call on me, if you surrender these small sins, recognize that that sin, that small thing, it leads to destruction. But if you admit your sin and surrender your sin, you'll experience a Savior that will possess and give you what's most wanted. And so if you're dealing with thoughts of insecurity, doubt, if you're dealing with indecision and in your, you're in this prison, and this prison has affected your faith, 
This prison has affected your relationship. This prison has affected you having intimacy with the Father. And you're saying, I want to make a choice. I want to make a decision. I don't want religion, but I want an intimate relationship. We just, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we just raise your hand all across this building. I want to make that desire. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Come on, church. Can someone put their hands together? Thank you for that hand. There are tears just being shed in this moment. People's hearts that are being opened in this place. Can we all, can we stand to our feet and say this prayer loud and proud? For those of you who mean this, say this, say this after me. Jesus, right now, I'm sorry of living my way. I'm sorry for following other people's opinions. I'm sorry for not finding value in my own life, the value you placed on me. But right now, I'm excited and I'm with joy of your love for me. That covers and that covers a multitude of sin that releases me from death and allows me to enter into a new life in you, Jesus. So I surrender my life. I surrender my decisions. I surrender my choices and I surrender my will to the only one that can fulfill my life. In your name I pray. Can we give God a crazy praise for the five people that raised their hand this morning to experience a new life in Jesus? Come on.